I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Today is Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. On this day in 1972, notorious mobster Joseph Crazy Joe Gallo was gunned down in front of his family in a clam bar in Little Italy. The killing would re-enter the public consciousness decades later when a notorious hitman confessed to the murder. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the murder of mobster Joseph Crazy Joe Gallo. Let's go back to New York's Little Italy around 4.30 in the morning. Joe Gallo strutted down the street, slightly buzzed and incredibly happy. He was celebrating his 43rd birthday, and he and his family had just seen Don Rickles perform live. He looked at his wife of three weeks, Cena, still fresh with the honeymoon glow. He looked at his 10-year-old new stepdaughter, Lisa, her childlike excitement invigorating. He heard his beloved sister Carmela's laughter trail through the air, and he knew his bodyguard Pete Diopolis was making goo-goo eyes at his date, a lovely lady he had brought along to join in the fun. Joe was in a grand mood. He wanted to keep the night going at one of his favorite restaurants, Umberto's Clam House. The atmosphere was always friendly, and it was open all night. Joe thought the night would only get better, but he didn't notice the man sitting at the bar whose eyes had gone wide at his entrance. As Joe and his group sat down at a corner table, the man got up and left the restaurant. His name was Joseph Luparelli. He was a high-ranking member of the Colombo crime family, and the Colombos had marked Joe Gallo for death. Luparelli hustled into a restaurant two blocks down, one frequented by Colombo gang members. There he met with Philip Gambino and Carmine DiBiase. They made a quick call to the head of the Colombo crime family to get permission to execute Gallo on the spot. After a brief pause, the boss gave the order. Luparelli, Gambino, DiBiase, and two unidentified mobsters pocketed their firearms and rushed to their vehicles. They sped back to Umberto's clam house, parking the cars nearby. Luparelli stayed at the wheel for a quick getaway while the others marched to the restaurant. At 5.30 a.m., the Colombo gunmen drew their weapons and opened fire on Joe Gallo. Caught by surprise, Gallo's bodyguard took a bullet and fell to the ground, leaving Gallo vulnerable. 
Gallo leaped to his feet and sprinted towards the door, his body riddled with bullets as he ran. Just as he made it through the door, he dropped to the sidewalk, blood pooling all around him. The Colombo gunmen sprinted back to Luparelli's car. They sped away, their hit complete. Joe Gallo had just been whacked. Coming up, Joe Gallo's murder gets more complicated due, surprisingly, to a confession. Now back to the story. On April 7, 1972, Joseph Joe Gallo, a notorious New York mobster, was gunned down in Umberto's clam house as he was celebrating his 43rd birthday. Prior to his slaying, Joe Gallo was a high-ranking hitman for the Profaci crime family. He was most well-known for the 1957 barbershop assassination of the boss of the Mangano crime family, Albert Anastasia. Gallo publicly claimed responsibility for the hit, hoping Joe Profaci would reward him. However, Profaci felt Joe was too unstable to be given more responsibility within the organization. When Gallo realized he was getting the cold shoulder, he began plotting to kill his own boss. Gallo hoped to take over the Profaci family, so he started a war within his own organization. However, in 1961, Gallo was arrested and sent to prison. His dreams of running the Profaci family were put on hold. When Gallo was released 10 years later in 1971, the Colombo family and the Profacis had long since grown tired of their war with Gallo, and they were willing to let him walk free. But Gallo was not through with them. On June 28, 1971, a man said to be one of Gallo's friends shot Joseph Colombo in front of his family. In response, the Colombo organization put a hit on Gallo, preferably to be conducted in front of his family. Thus, in the early morning of April 7, 1972, Colombo family men gunned Joe Gallo down in Umberto's clam house, in full view of his friends and family. Law enforcement got their first major break in the case in the weeks immediately following the murder. Joseph Luparelli, the getaway driver for Gallo's assassins, began to fear for his own life as he had grown violently ill while hiding out with the killers. Luparelli believed the family had attempted to poison him in an effort to keep him quiet. Rather than risk death, Luparelli immediately turned himself in to the police and told them his story. An eyewitness to the shooting corroborated Luparelli's claims, and for decades, most people believed him. But the world would rethink the killing in 2004, when Charles Brandt's book, I Heard You Paint Houses, revealed all the secrets of a union boss and mob hitman named Frank Sheeran. In the book, Sheeran claimed responsibility for the slaying of Joe Gallo, stating that he had acted alone. This confession drew national attention and sparked new investigations into the murder decades after it occurred. 
Unfortunately for Sheeran, most of the evidence acquired at the time indicates that his story is most likely a lie. Sheeran did not kill Joe Gallo. Luparelli's associates did. Yet Sheeran's tall tales did gather him significant acclaim. In 2019, his memoir, I Heard You Paint Houses, was adapted into Martin Scorsese's Academy Award-nominated film, The Irishman. Joe Gallo was never the kingpin he dreamed of being, but after his death, he found the same powerful cultural cachet. Even 32 years after the killing, people were still trying to claim responsibility for his death. And now that his death has been dramatized in a major motion picture, he will likely always be remembered. So will his crimes. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out ParCast Original Kingpins on Spotify. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hovseth, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.